0: This is Primary First, a podcast focused on helping Catalyst Health Network members improve the way they work and the results they achieve. Hello, and welcome to Primary First. In this episode, we continue our discussion with Dr. Stephen Bushk and dive further into what primary care practices must do to move successfully into prospective payment models and what lessons can be learned from existing capitated arrangements. Across the network, all of our docs, I think, have really gotten to a place where they understand fee-for-service and they've built engines that operate in a fee-for-service world. Um, clinic processes and you know just the, your, your normal day-to-days revolve around that fee-for-service engine. Not all of our docs take Medicare Advantage or um, have a, a panel, of certainly not 40% of their, their population um, under a capitated type arrangement. And, and you've outlined some things that are different um, from a fee-for-service type of engine in a capitation or MA engine. If, if there are practices out there that are entertaining um, moving into the MA space or are entertaining some prospective payment under some alternative payment models, being a seasoned doc in, in this Medicare Advantage world, what, what are some of the things that you would tell them they need to look at from a practice operation standpoint so that they can hit the ground running and, and be successful right out of the gate.
1: Thanks, Jeff. I, you know, I think it's clear that um, I'm, I'm a big proponent of changing the payment model to a prospective payment model, a capitation type arrangement with accountability. And often I'll talk to doctors who are reluctant to do that. And the themes are always similar. The first is that so many successful practices have been built on the fee-for-service model. And doctors, especially entrepreneurial doctors that are very proud of their independence and the success of their practices, are, they, they've built very efficient ways to deliver care under the fee-for-service model. They, um, they become efficient at seeing their patients in a limited amount of time. They've incorporated additional flows around how their MA works, how their front desk works. They've hired in nurse practitioners, physician assistants. They've created some additional um, ancillary services, which are reimbursed with fee for service, like uh, diagnostics, um, x rays, labs. And so that model is so successful to the typical physician that um, in the community is is thriving, that it's hard to imagine somehow that many of the things that we built won't be reimbursed. They would get reimbursed if the actual rate is correct and it takes into account all those things. But it's the first thing that I hear from physicians when, when you talk about prospective payment is, well, what about my lab that I run? What about my ultrasounds that I do? What about the uh, mammograms or the bone densities or all the things that we've incorporated? Because really the model for fee-for-service has been to try to develop additional services in-house, knowing that by doing that, it adds to the revenue and helps to pay the bills and it keeps us afloat, it keeps us independent. So, you know, I think that what's what's really clear, though, is that even if we did all those services in, in-house, if the actual payment per month included all of those things, I think most physicians would say that having that payment every month for cash flow purposes is so much more advantageous and they would go for it. But I think that's one of the things that they worry about is that, um, the second is really the extra work that it takes to do the coding and the quality reporting. And sometimes it's very difficult because we're very busy and we don't want to be distracted by having to navigate through a computer system or do additional, um, work on the administrative and paperwork side. And, and honestly, trying to streamline that into an efficiency is one of the things that we've been able to accomplish at, at Nedema, at Northeast Terran Medicine, our group. Because, you know, working with a group of doctors that, that adapt and change and, and are motivated to be successful, it means that we had to incorporate those things. And we've done it successfully. But ultimately, I think another difficulty that the that the groups that don't do this type of work don't do Medicare Advantage and are contemplating a new model, the the, uh, capitated or the prospective payment model. The last part of it, which is super important, is to be able to trust who coordinates that for you. There's a huge trust factor because in fee-for-service, you have contracts, you have rates, and those rates pay everything that you submit. And it's pretty clear cut to know when you're not getting paid, right? Well, When there is a monthly fee coming in and that monthly fee is tied to some additional performance metrics and things, I think that there is also somewhat of a difficulty for groups to fully trust a network that coordinates that for them and and has their best interest in mind. And, And that is one of the very difficult things to navigate now, too, because there are a lot of companies getting in on the Medicare Advantage business, on the Medicare Shared Savings business, and even on the commercial side. And it's hard because if you don't have a partner, like we are very fortunate to have Catalyst as a partner in in our Medicare Advantage and our commercial, Um, but it took years to really get to know the fact that the value system and the mission is the same as ours, that they want us to stay independent, that the money that they are able to also generate through revenue is spent on our patients, spent on the practices, creating an infrastructure where we're a team, where... We work with Catalyst and become part of Catalyst, and it just becomes a relationship where, uh, again, you know, all of this can, can thrive and be successful. It's hard to find that. There are a lot of doctors who aren't used to that, trusting organizations as much as we do with Catalyst. Um, there's a lot of organizations that got burned by relationships like that. We did in our past as well. And so there's a lot of skepticism at first when someone comes along with a new model. And that's a big, again, a big hurdle until you're working with a company for years like we have. And we are just really thankful that Catalyst brings these things forward. And Jeff, as, as the medical director there, for you to be, again, really uh, innovative in regards to how you can improve care in our practices. I mean, that's a crucial piece to actually moving forward with such a model.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And I think there's there's uh, that the trust. We can't emphasize enough the importance of trust uh, in these relationships. Uh, it's just as important as that trust we see with the patient and a provider. It has to be there in order for there to be a meaningful relationship.
1: And that trust comes from, you know, three main things. You know, I've, I've learned this from a SAGE in the past in a, in a program. And uh, it was basically this, you know, Catalyst is transparent for us. So we know exactly what's going on at the company. It's run by a board of directors of all of us doctors. Uh, The accountability is there, the reliability, the fact that when catalyst is doing something for patients, they follow through and they do a great job. And then the final part of it is that self-interest component. You know, there are a lot of companies out there that will tell you that they support you and they want to do great things for you, but they have their own self-interest in mind. If it's a hospital system, well, they have their own hospital issues to take care of, and their specialists and things, so they may not have the same interest. Same goes for a lot of the publicly traded companies or the companies that take a lot of equity. I mean, you have to worry that somehow those companies are not aligned, or you know, they have additional uh, revenues to generate that will go to those folks that are investing, right? So again, to find that partner is super important. I can't emphasize that enough and can't be more thankful to Catalyst than 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 ever because of the things that they're doing.
0: Uh, we've talked a lot about the, the practice of the physician's perspective when it comes to capitation. I'd love to hear your perspective or feedback you've received maybe from patients uh, when you compare patients that you see under a capitated model compared to patients you see in a fever service arrangement.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that as far as the journey of the of the patient through the office, for the most part, the patients really don't perceive a difference. And honestly, I try my very best not to be as I guess different, depending on what kind of insurance plan they have or what um, what type of model of care they have. Just simply because I always want to feel very confident in my own heart that I take care of every patient like I would take care of family, right, regardless of how I'm getting paid. And, and, and that's very important to me. That being said, though, some of the things that the patients are surprised at are things like they're getting phone calls from my staff about whether or not they had their colonoscopy, whereas before they would wait and tell me at the next visit that, oh, I didn't get around to it. Now they're getting calls throughout the year asking them if they really did get it done. And if so, can you give us Uh, the report, or if you didn't get it done or you didn't do your screening, um, why not? We kind of need you to do it. And here's an alternative like Colgard or, you know, a uh, fit test, something that we could do to help at least know that you had some type of screening for a very common cancer. So, you know, it's just one of those things that they have to get used to. Another thing is we now know when patients aren't picking up their medicine and (laughs) they're not used to that. So they ask, well, how do you know that? I'm, I, uh, I've been splitting the medicine or I've only been taking it as needed. I'm surprised, you know, and so it's just a matter of me then being able to document that they're doing it differently or advise them if what they're doing is actually not right. But before that, we didn't know any of that, but the patients also are aware that we have some additional checks and balances. One of the things that, um, that Catalyst has that is amazing as well as their care management. Uh, they have a service where nurses, social workers, um, educators for diabetes and diet and pharmacists reach out to our patients at our, our instruction. And sometimes when they're, uh, just hospitalized and need it and they assist the patient with care under my name as someone on my team. And it's incredible, but it's, it's a new thing, you know, prior to us doing this model, this Medicare Advantage model, as well as the, um, you know, uh, just, you know, the modeling model and with with value, we um, it was just us and they would get skeptical if someone else called them. In fact, they still do to some degree. So they'll call us to verify is this truly coming from you? And we'll say yes. Uh, but that's another aspect of care that's new or different because this is in place. All these things are great things, by the way. So the fact that they have this and didn't have it before enhances their care, helps me with following through on the things that I intentionally want to do for the folks that I care about and the, the patients that I've had for years. And um, I really am happy that I don't have to do all this myself or fail at it because I'm only one person and we're only one clinic, right? So so it's really, it's, it's really been a great thing for patients. And I do think that they, with our guidance and knowing that they can trust the folks calling them because it's coming from us, they do actually appreciate it.
0: And that's it for this episode of Primary First. Join us next time as we wrap up this conversation with Dr. Busch and discuss some additional ways that patient outcomes and the care experience can be improved through the continued shift towards prospective payment.